Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast, the show where educators can come find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. Yes, welcome back for episode 20 of the podcast. This is a very special episode, not just because we've reached the double decade mark here on the Leader of Learning podcast, but we're uh, we're doing a, a first here on this episode. We are having our first student guest. Actually, we're having two guests, and uh, when I introduce them, it'll make more sense to you, but uh, these are friends of mine who I loved talking to. I've loved any opportunity I've had to connect with them in person and, of course, virtually on social media. Mary Alice Curran and her son Curran D. They're a mother and son team who goes out there and spreads the message and and tries to spread positivity and, more importantly, educate other students and educators about the importance of such subjects as digital citizenship, student voice and choice, and really just collaborating on a more global level. I think these are not only trendy topics, but necessary topics for education and educators moving forward into the future. Our world is getting smaller and smaller all the time. Of course, we as educators want to make our instruction as relevant as possible. And if that means bringing in more student voice or connecting our students with classrooms and other students around this country and around this world, then maybe that's part of the solution. Anyway, I really hope you enjoy this interview with Mary Alice and Curran as much as I did recording it and now listening back to it. Here it is. All right, it's my honor and privilege to be speaking with this uh, dynamic duo, Mary Alice Curran and Curran D, better known as the mother-son duo that uh, tackles digital citizenship out there in the world. So uh, welcome, Mary Alice and Curran. If you guys could just uh, introduce yourselves a little bit to the audience, that'd be great. Oh, hi. Well, it's great to be with you. And the last time we were all together, do you remember we were on, it was at the airport, we were at ISTE, all three of us. Yeah, yeah. We, took, we took a ride together, yep. A ride to the hotel for ISTE, which was fantastic. So it's really great. Uh, tonight we'll be like, um, we'll continue the conversation we started in that Uber ride, which will be great. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we are, we're a mother and son team. You want to let them know who you are? I'm the Chief Kid Officer of Digital Kids. It's Digital Citizenship for Kids by Kids. And what, you know, some people, I mean, Dan knows who you are, but what grade are you in? And I'm in fifth grade and I'm uh, 11 years old. And you want to let anybody know what other kind of um, interests you have? I love playing sports. I love drawing and I love making slime. Well, there you go. And I'll have to tell you, as a mother and son team, we've kind of been doing this for how long? Uh, Since I was in preschool. Yeah. I used to be a faculty member at the University of St. Joe's. And when I had problems with the, you know, babysitter couldn't come, he'd come to class. And whether it was an undergrad class or a graduate class, everybody wanted to be your partner. And they'd be like, ah, I want you to like work on this project with me. And so really how our journey really is kind of natural that this just, this just kind of just happens. This wasn't something that was forced. And so things that um, we've always tried to advocate is that, um, the importance of being unplugged, right. And having a balanced life. And you're more of a kid that likes to play hard outside than you are plugged in. But when we are plugged in, 
we're really mindful and deliberate about the choices that we're that's, making. That's so, great. I love how you mentioned that. And and I think that's a, a cool point that you made about like having the balance between being unplugged and also when you are plugged in, there are things to wor- worry about or work on. Uh, and so let's talk about that for a second. Let's back up, kind of take it step by step here. Digital citizenship. Okay. So when you are plugged in, right, that's what we're talking about. That's what we want students and, and kids in general to be kind of careful of. So um, just hit the audience with like, what is digital citizenship? What does it mean? It's being safe, savvy, and using tech for good. Yeah, I mean, like the first thing, no matter what is, you got to have a foundation of, of safety. And then this is whether, you know, I'm talking today as a parent, but you know, I'm an educator. So first and foremost is the safety. And then you just continue to add some layers like, you know, social responsibility, you know, ethical things. And then we want to add another layer, which is, you know, how do you use tech for good? So social media for social good, tech for, for social good. And you can see a lot of things that uh, online about catching kids doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And really what we're trying to do with digital citizenship is change that narrative from the reactive and the really negative to the proactive and, and really positive. And there are some amazing things that um, how kids are using technology. Um, it's just unfortunately not always like highlighted in the headlines. Um, those scare tactics tend to still take, you know, you know, top billing. Uh, that's a, that's a great point. So obviously, I mean, we could probably list a hundred thousand ways that kids are not using electronics and technology and social media for good, but give us a, a few ideas, at least a few about how they might be using it for good. Well, you know, for the month of December, um, for the DigiSit kids, you had that challenge and every single day, you highlighted a different kid yeah. that was like around the world, like using tech for like amazing things. Um, one of our very favorite classrooms, where's our favorite classroom? In Scotland, Mrs. Jallen's classroom, they learned math facts to raise money to um, to ha- get toilets for the homeless. Yeah. So let, I'll just even back up. How old are those kids? Her, I mean, this is like amazing. They're in like first grade. So they're like, I would even, I don't know if it's the grades are the same here in the States, but they're probably five and six year olds and they had to learn their math facts. And in the same time, they were kind of looking at like identifying problems, which is really what DigiSit Kids really encourages is for kids to what? To solve problems and create solutions. Yeah. And so they saw this problem in their own community and it was homelessness yeah. and they, they tied it to the... um sustainable development goals. Yeah, where it's looking at um, that there wasn't a lot of sanitation, there wasn't a lot of um, availability for clean toilets. And so they put out there on social media that the whole class was um, memorizing like hundreds of math facts and they were looking for donations. And then what were they hoping to get? One toilet? Yeah, one portable potty and a uh, toilet. And I think that they really ended up getting like three. And so to us... That really is like such an unbelievable example of kids making a significant difference um, in their own community. Yeah, that is unbelievable. That's really cool. So uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you said that this classroom that did such an unbelievable job of using tech for good was in Scotland? Yes, yeah. in Scotland. All right. So I'm, I'm definitely going to get back to that in a minute because that's so cool that you guys get to travel all over the place, uh, bring, you know, bringing this digital citizenship awesomeness like all over. But let's back up for a second. Give me the origin story of DigiSit Kids. How did it start? How did Curran get involved with it, even as a preschooler? Like, where did that come from? Okay. In the third grade, I gave my first TEDx youth talk and I noticed that all of the students that were speaking at the event were either high school or adults, and most of them were speaking about digital citizenship. 
And some of them were t- talking about student voice, I remember. Yeah. yeah. The importance of student, a lot of the adults were talking about student voice. But I asked my mom, why aren't we talking to kids when they're younger about digital citizenship instead of when they're in high school and stuff? Yeah, I can tell you from my perspective, he was like, why is everybody waiting so long? So, you know? Uh, yeah, no. So, Curran, what, what do you think? Why? Why? Uh, I mean, look, uh, uh, let's be honest, it's probably still happening, right? But before you got involved in this, why do you think that maybe people were afraid to talk to such young kids? Because when technology first came out and all the schools were getting into the classrooms, I think they just started with the high school students instead of the um, elementary kids because they didn't know any know any better. And do you think it was probably, it's probably really honestly something that might just be easier? You know, it's a guarantee that... You know, older kids are going to be more comfortable up on a stage, um, sharing a story. Um, at that event, at that TEDx Youth, what did you really want at the end? You, I remember you were like, you wanted me, you were like, can't you like create like an event for like younger kids, yeah. like a panel or? And then that eventually turned into the whole idea of Digit Kids. Yeah, starting your own company. So at the around the same time too, I was doing like, I was going to a think tank and starting the Digit Institute, right? So I was, you know, in joining the entrepreneurial spirits. And I remember you were like, hey, I want to go to that think tank. And and why are adults talking about student voice when it really should be students talking about student voice? Students um, really kind of having an opportunity to, to share your voice with the world, solve problems, and create solutions and empower other kids. Yeah. So for kids, really empowering other kids. And I mean, it, it, it make it, when I hear you say it, it makes a lot of sense, but I could see, you know, student voice should be talked about by students. Um, but I, I could see how maybe that would get uh, missed or, or skipped over by, by people. So let's now fast forward a little bit, uh, a few years, Curran's older now, fifth grade, fifth grade. Yeah. Okay. So fifth grade, now you're traveling all over the place. I mean, look, we, we live in the same state and we actually, it took for us to be traveling to San Antonio for ISTE to actually meet up. So I, I saw you in Texas. I know that you've been out of the country. Clearly you visited this. Did you visit this classroom in Scotland in person or was that like a virtual thing? It was virtual. Okay. Yeah, we've done, we've done I, a bunch. We've done the Skypeathon. We've done with with this particular yeah. classroom. We do a lot with this classroom. And you want to say what's happening right well, now? I, I, I know that also you traveled out to Africa. So you know you you've traveled around and you've gotten to speak to whether it's in person or virtually. So many uh, students, classrooms, educators around the country, around the world. What are you? What what lessons are you learning? What can you give us about what's happening out there in the world? <laughs> I learned that um, in other countries, they're a lot more open to the whole connected classroom idea than in the U.S. Really? That's interesting. Um, so when you say connected classroom, what, what do you mean exactly? Um, they get to connect with other classrooms around the world using um, the, the Skype in the classroom. They're breaking down classroom walls, doing Flipgrid. They, and- yeah, they just seem to be much more open. So, yeah. I mean, part of our story is you know, that you learn differently at home than you do at school. So, you know, anybody that knows our story is Curran's in a very traditional district. And what what does school look like? What does learning look like uh, during the academic day for you? Uh, we do worksheets all day and it's sit and get and we do a lot of testing. So I, I think that what you're really trying to get to, too, is like when we were in Nigeria, I think that like the number one thing that we learned is like about access. We talk about 
the importance of, you know, he doesn't have access to connected learning at school, but he has it at home. And prior to going to Nigeria, we had talked about like in theory that he's really lucky because there are some kids that don't have that access at home or at school. Yeah, of and then, course. Yeah. But and when we went to Nigeria, we actually saw it in person. Right. It was like it wasn't theory anymore. And you want to talk about like for the two brothers um, in particular, at the very end, they were like, do you have something that you could leave, you know, that we could remember you by? And what did you we had one thing we didn't pack presents, but you had something. Uh, we gave them the book, um, The Wild Robot. It For the was, global read-aloud, yeah, right. and they joined us. Yeah, and so it was amazing that one book, and we invited them, would you like to be part of this global read-aloud, which they'd never heard about? And it was amazing because it was like one book really does change the world. I mean, honestly, but to see how open and and enthusiastic they were before we even got back to the states i feel like they felt they met teachers they found all these resources about the global read aloud um and were just so eager to participate in it and are already talking about the global read aloud and which book are we going to be reading you know for next year and that's just that's pretty powerful. That's so cool. It's it's really fascinating, and, and I'm I'm intrigued by the comment that you made about in your experience finding that uh, students, especially in other areas of the world, are much more willing to open themselves up on a global level to communicating and collaborating with uh, with other classrooms. The Leader of Learning Podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network, podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. The Leader of Learning Podcast is also a proud member of Voice Ed Radio, changing the way you talk about education. To listen to more great education content, please visit voiceed.ca. Let's uh, for 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 a minute. So let me let me kind of break this down a little bit because I'm I'm hearing sort of two different things almost under that umbrella of digital citizenship. I'm hearing you know where students, kids in general, everybody needs to be more responsible about technology use and and using it for good. I'm also hearing that we want our students and our classrooms to be able to connect on a more global level. So I, I guess I'm just wondering like. What do we want from our, our educators, our students to be able to do more of that, to be better digital citizens? Well, you know, I, I personally think it's about personalized learning. This is the larger umbrella and about, you know, changing, especially, um, you know, how Kern had talked about the difference, you know, when we go to other um, international locations compared to what we see here in the United States. But why don't we t really kind of talk about some of these classrooms and the tools that they use um, to break down classroom walls? Because this isn't something that should be an add-on or that a, an, a teacher feels like, oh, gosh, this is one more thing I have to add. I've got to put a check in the box to say that I've done this. This is, you know, these are skills that need to be embedded in absolutely, you know, every single day, every single grade. You want to talk about Bronwyn Joyce in particular in her because that's a classroom that we connect with. Um, if you don't know, it's our global classroom and her Flipgrid. And, you know, we join that Flipgrid all the time. Yeah. And every single week, they they connect a problem with the global goals. And then students all around the world are responding. You know, to me, as simple as that, that's like a perfect example of how easy it is to if you if you need one thing to get involved in, I'd say um, you just joined it yesterday, didn't you? Yeah. And what was the question yesterday that the um, I think it was Michael Dresick uh, had posed the question for our global classroom for Australia. 
it was um, if you could change your classroom, what would you do? Yeah, if school was different, what yeah. would you change? And what? How did you respond to that yesterday on Flipgrid? I said I would get rid of uh, traditional classrooms where everyone does the same thing the same way and break down classroom walls and make classrooms more connected. Oh, yeah. And you know what else you had said that I thought was really interesting um, on that Flipgrid was that how do you feel about school in general? It's boring. And so you had said on you had said that on that Flipgrid that like doing the same thing the same way is boring. If it's boring for students, who else is it boring for? It must be boring for teachers too. Right. And so we didn't really get it, get to get into on Flipgrid, but you want to share about like, cause I feel like that Minecraft, what you did about the, the diorama this year is like another, a great example that would be easy for teachers to do. Over the rest of my class had to make a diorama, but I made a virtual diorama um, through Minecraft and I learned a whole lot more. The virtual diorama took me longer than the di- regular diorama would take but like I, the shoebox diorama yeah right but I learned a whole lot more than I could ever with a regular diorama and now here's this like so he got this assignment and it was like you know the shoebox diorama that I probably did in the 1970s and the same sort of directions and what did you say when you came home with those directions I want to do this differently <laughs> yeah I want to do this on Minecraft I want to build the Pueblos in Minecraft. That's and such so, a cool. St- that's such a cool story. I, it reminds me actually of when uh, a couple of years ago I I helped bring the idea of Genius Hour to my school, and um, the reason it reminds me is because we had some students in a group who literally built their own sports arena. And they did it in Minecraft. And I had never really, you know, as a, a 30-something adult, I didn't really, I mean, I had heard of Minecraft, but I didn't really know what it was. I thought it was just a game, right? But the seeing how these kids built this arena and how detailed it was. And, uh, you know, like you said, it took more time, like how, how regimented they were in, in actually creating it and building it and planning and, and executing. It was awesome to see. And, um, and I think that's a good point that you made too about like it may or may not save time. But I think, Curran, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, it's really more about how the students connect and can relate to the work that they're doing. Using this tool wasn't necessarily about getting the job done quicker. It was about making, more mean, making it more meaningful to you. Am I right there? Yeah. Yeah, it was really, I can tell you, it was authentic. I mean, it was authentic learning and a missed opportunity because every other student in the class could have had the same experience. So he did ask his teacher if he could do something different. And she had said, no, it had to be in a shoebox. So you want to describe what you put in your shoebox? Um, I made a video um, showing around my whole Minecraft world, what I built. And we put a QR code in the shoebox to the video. And then when you had to go present, were you able to present your virtual diorama? No, because my teacher said it wasn't 3D. Mm, So so you had the physical shoebox, but then everything else in the box was your your virtual world and the video explaining it and everything, but you weren't really given the same opportunity to actually present. Now, uh, curious, did that affect your grade? Yeah, I didn't get a good grade on the project either. Wow. Wow. That's sad. That really is. All right. So this is awesome. I I really, really appreciate you guys coming on here, but we're not done yet. I I would like to ask one more question uh, if I could. So 
you've been doing this for a while, uh, even maybe since Kern was was really little. Uh, not that he's like super old now, but he's like a, a pro at this already. So Mary Alice, Kern, both of you guys uh, tackle this one differently. What's something maybe you haven't gotten to do yet or an experience or somewhere you haven't gotten to visit yet that you'd like to uh, whether it be you know on this digital citizenship uh, mission of yours or not, like what's something you still want to do? Okay, well, we just got to go and um, have our first two summits in Spanish, and that was pretty amazing. We were in yeah. Mexico in September, in Spain in January. Oh, can you just tell what happened in Spain because and how you thanked the interpreters because that's just it's a it's a it's beautiful at the digital summit in Spain in January. There were sign language interpreters, and my dad is deaf, and he was watching from uh, online from my house in Connecticut, and he could understand all of the um, presentations because they had sign language interpreters. And I, during my presentation, I thanked the sign language interpreters for giving my dad the digital access to be able to understand what's going on in the presentations. Yeah, that's so cool. And how did what did your dad say about that? How did he, uh, you, you know, what was his reaction to be able to experience it like that? I think probably not just um, Sean, but like the whole audience, both virtually and the live audience that were there, were really taken because um, you know this was digital access. You know, this was like we saw this in action. This wasn't again something that was in theory. So like to go back and kind of tie in on like what is it that we haven't done yet. Um, the idea of language as access, you know, whether that's going to be sign language or, you know, um, we'll be hosting our very first summit in, um, in Jordan, in Arabic and in Cameroon, in French. I mean, the more opportunities, no matter what your zip code is or what language that you speak or, you know, if you're hearing, uh, or if you're not hearing, you know, this is everybody's responsibility. And the more people that were able to engage into this, like, really critical conversation, then that's when you start to change communities, local, global, and digital communities. And it's pretty powerful. And the fact that I get to do this with my son and we get to model what learning side by side, like how many Twitter, like, I mean, you've probably been hosting Twitter chats since the third grade with me. Yeah. How many do you think you've done in dozens? I think I've done like 40 yeah. At least. It, yeah. And it's just, you know, that we, we get this opportunity. It's really a privilege. And then, you know, the other thing that's really interesting too, and maybe this is for a topic for another, for another day, is there are so many adults that just claim that they are, you know, ambassadors and advocates for student voice. And I can tell you just because I travel with Curran, you know, whether we're doing something online or we're someplace face to face, I'm always amazed at when you have the opportunity to talk to like the one student in the room or the one student in the chat, how many people don't ever take the opportunity to engage, to engage our, our youth. I don't know. I'm always just kind of amazed um, that we don't tap in more to when you have an opportunity to talk to our students that, that I'd much rather listen to students speak. I'd go to a student session every single day of the week, twice on Sunday. So you, uh, I think you just unofficially challenged me. You know, I haven't, I haven't yet had 
uh, in the first 18 or 19 or, or so episodes of the podcast. I haven't had any recurring guests, but uh, we should probably definitely talk about that again sometime then. Because I, you know, I mentioned before how when I brought Genius Hour to my school, it was great in a lot of ways, but also there was some definite hesitancies and, uh, you know, some real worry, especially on the part of uh, the educators and, and the administrators. Um, but the students loved it. And so, yeah, we'll definitely have to talk about more of that student voice stuff uh, another time if you if if you allow me. Absolutely. It's, uh, if you can't tell, it's one of our favorite uh, conversations. Absolutely. So cool. And I am, again, just thrilled to have you guys tonight before you go before we wrap up please let everyone know how they can connect with you um website twitter handles for you for you current the business did sit kids everything um you can find me on twitter um at current central and at did sit kids and you can find did sit kids on facebook and instagram and then just did sit kids.com as the website mm-hmm. and then i'm all these crazy initials um m B-F-X-C um, are my Twitter handle. It's also M-B-F-X-C's always, I feel like. No one, can you imagine this? No one ever wants to take those initials. So it's my username for everything. It's also my website. But um, we're connected with uh, Digisit Institute, which uh, Digisit Institute would be the Twitter handle, the Instagram, the website, the URL, as well as Digisit Summit. And then the, uh, the summits are our actual events where we, and in fact, if we give anything, where are we off to next month? Um, Ireland. Yeah, we're going to Trinity College for our first Digit Summit Ireland. Wow. You guys, you're doing some amazing work. And I want to thank you for not only coming on here and uh, giving me some time here and just I'm amazed by all the information that you shared. It's going to take me like listening back to this a few times to really, you know, soak it up and absorb it. But uh, thank you again for the time for your time tonight. And thank you so much for all that work that you're doing out there. All right. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Wasn't that a great interview? I want to thank, of course, my guests, Mary Alice and Curran for giving me some time. And, you know, this episode really has me thinking. I'm not a classroom teacher, but I am an educator. And I think that no matter what title you have, what role you're in, you know, I say this when it comes to educational leadership. But again, no matter what role you have in education, I think we should really start looking at ways to bring student voice to the table more and use our ever-shrinking world to be able to bring our students together globally in ways that we've never imagined before. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite way to listen. Also, if you like what you heard, Please recommend this podcast to other educators, leaders, friends, or anyone you think would love listening and learning. And don't hesitate to leave a positive review on iTunes or whatever service you use to listen. For more information, head over to leaderoflearning.com. There you can also find the Leader of Learning blog, ways to connect on social media such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Voxer, sign up for our newsletter, and even how to purchase Leader of Learning merchandise. Thanks again, and remember, no matter who you are or where you are, You too can be a leader of learning.